global warming or none like it hot. <laughs> You're probably wondering why your ice cream went away. Well, Susie, the culprit isn't foreigners. It's global warming. Global warming? Yeah. Meet Mr. Sunbeam. He comes all the way from the sun to visit Earth. Hello, Earth. Just popping in to brighten your day. La, 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 la. And now I'll be on my way. Not so fast, Sunbeam. We're greenhouse gases. You ain't going nowhere. Pretty soon, Earth is chock full of sunbeams. They're rotting corpses heating our atmosphere. <laughs> How do we get rid of the greenhouse gases? Fortunately, our handsomest politicians came up with a cheap, last-minute way to combat global warming. Ever since 2063, we simply drop a giant ice cube into the ocean every now and then. Just like Daddy puts in his drink every morning. And then he gets mad. You know, uh, ever since the inception of the IPCC, which is the uh, International Panel on Climate Change from the UN, they have basically been miserable failures when it comes to predicting the global temperatures. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are chatting with Ben Davidson a little bit later. Uh, but first, the... Uh, Guammy Graham. You don't even have anything no, made I up got to go. Nothing. I, just, <laughs> I was just waiting. You're running out of adjectives, man. No, <laughs> no, like listeners have sent me, I've got lists and lists, oh, but I, I didn't even think about it till I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. So we got Ben Davidson up, who's who uh, has a mobile observatory looking at the sun and, and the you know, solar activity and does there like a real news, a real weather uh, and climate news every day, uh, suspicious observers also. So that's going to be a fascinating chat coming up. Yeah, it's a good one. It lines up. It's funny because it lines up with stuff we talked with Robert Schock about, Randall yeah, Carlson, yeah, Don yeah. Easterbrook. It lines up with uh, yeah. a few chats we've had before. There's a couple uh, a couple nails that uh, get, get another hit on the head. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, we've got our uh, Mexican ambassador to Grand America, RPJ. How's it going, buddy? Hey guys, good to be back on Grand American on my first appearance <laughs> in the year. Yeah, no doubt. It's good to have you. It's funny. Everyone says they want more RPJ and then we just don't have you on for two months. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've kind of, uh, yeah, we've kind of lost contact for a little while. So it's definitely, it's good to chat with you again. Um, and uh, what, what, what have you been doing? You've been sort of uh, out of touch a little bit. Yeah, uh, well, well, you know, yeah, as you probably know, yeah, everybody kind of like tries to disconnect uh, during the holiday season. I I did the same, you know, trying to to <laughs> since I wasn't able to 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 go to some tropical beach, you know, the best the next best thing was to try to to uh, turn off the computer, you know, and try to enjoy some. Uh, 
mid space time now. But also, uh, I was doing some other new things, you know. Uh, for example, when you guys had your chat with Randall Carson on the 21st, I was actually on my way to uh, the city of Teotihuacan to be part, of, well, allegedly to be part of uh, something that may or may not have had in, involved uh, psychedelics. <laughs> Nice. What I, sort? We were talking about that. I forgot all about it, though. And and here we are asking for listeners like to send in their psychedelic experiences. And we've got a lot. We've got Red Pill Chunky to talk about his first one ever, I believe, eh? Yes, my first one ever. If know, it like, happened, because uh, you mentioned allegedly, so I don't it, know. Yeah, because this may just be just a pigment of my imagination. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> wink, wink. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Oh, so, t yeah, tell us. Well, uh, do you guys remember our friend uh, Erika? You know, the girl we, we all met in Minneapolis on the first Paradigm Symposium. You know, the, the girl who is from Mexico but is, not, but is now currently living in, 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 in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, your photographer friend. Exactly. So, yeah, we she got me... She got me in contact with a, a group of people who regularly uh, do uh, uh, ceremonies with uh, a shaman from the Wichol, uh, the Wichol people. The Wichols are uh, also we they, they call they go by the name Wicharica, uh, are a group of uh, indigenous uh, people that live. Here in Mexico, in what what will be the southeast of the country, primarily in the states of uh, Jalisco, Nayarit, and also uh, Guanajuato. Can, can you spell so, Wichol? Uh, can you spell Wichol for uh, us? Yes, H U I C H O L. Wait, 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 wait! Don't backspace. What did you have? W I T C H A L L. Watch. Which all? W A T C H. No. Which all? Which? No, it'd have to be W H I C H. No, no, no. Ah. No, which no, as in like which with a hat H. riding a broom? H. I thought it was yeah. which all. <laughs> no, it's not, it wasn't. It wasn't a witch. You know, there was no, There were no brooms, or or or. Uh, women with uh, green <laughs> skin involved. Okay. Okay. So which all? Okay. Yeah. Well, let me use the the goddamn uh, Skype message too. So uh, that's. Did, did you see that the word? Oh well I, well, I got it after you spelled it. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure because okay. sometimes it's hard for me to find yeah. it afterwards. To put it in the notes. Yeah, uh, we tell. Yeah. Do you guys remember how uh, how I I always wear when whenever I would go to Paradigm, I wear these uh, very colorful like bracelets. You know, that are made of very small plastic beads. Yep. With all these, you know, very interesting geometric patterns. Those those are actually made by by Wichol artisans. You know, I've I've always been fascinated by 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 their culture, by their by their art. You know, and those those geometric patterns patterns are uh, inspired by their uh, psychedelic experiences that are induced by what they call hikuri, which is nothing but the you know the the 
peyote cactus. Oh, okay. Nice. So these people invited me to, to, to this ceremony. And, you know, after thinking for a while, you know, I decided to attend, you know, to, to go and finally <laughs> uh, walk the walk instead of just talking the talk, you know. I mean, I thought that it was, it was only fair, you know, after, be, after becoming something of a, of a very uh, online activist or advocate for, for the sovereign, you know, right of every adult to explore their own their consciousness using uh, entheogenic sub- substances you know i think it was you know by now it was high time to to go and 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 and, and, and try it for myself you know to to try these these uh, very interesting fascinating fascinating world of psychedelics you know and and i i also thought that this was you know just the kind of thing that I wanted to try for my very first experience, you know, you know, doing it uh, in a very uh, ritualistic, you know, very ceremonial, uh, in a very ceremonial fashion, you know, and taking the, the substance uh, with the proper respect, you know, almost, uh, well, literally as a sacrament. Yeah, that's a great idea. So how did it go down? Like, what, well, did you guys sit in a circle? Like, you got there... Walk me through. Yeah, yeah, I got there. I got to the place where the, the the ceremony was going to be celebrated. I actually got there pretty early, you know, carrying my backpack and my sleeping bag because I thought that you know after the ceremony was over, we were all going to have to 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 sleep and all that. And and all the people who were going to be part of the ceremony, they they all came more or less on the same group right so they these people you know they they seem to know each other for for a while back you know so uh, after they arrived and we started to prepare the place you know where the ceremony was going to take place you know these like uh, medium sized uh, cement circle where there was you know like a uh, a place in the center where, where a, a fire could be uh, could be lit or prepared, you know. Something that caught my attention about the whole thing is what there really was a lot of uh, ritual involved, you know, about things like, you know, using a candle in which every attendant had to, like, tie a, a, a little, like, uh, uh, colored ribbon around the candle, you know, using a needle and a thread that would something like, Kind of represented, I don't know, your life or your intentions, something like that. Wow. And there was there was also a lot of chanting involved, a lot of you know beating the drums, a lot of you know. Uh, uh, there is a, a word that we that we use in Mexico called limpia, that is often uh, employed when this with this kind of indigenous ceremonies, you know. And with limpia, it's like a uh, something. Uh, a cleansing, you know, that the intention is not only to have, you know, a, a quote-unquote trip, but also to, to use these ceremonies as some kind of um, cleansing of your spirit, your body, your soul, if you, if, if, if you like, you know. So there was also a lot of that. It was very fascinating to see this, like, very interesting syncretic uh, juxtaposition between you know these ancient indigenous uh, beliefs, and there's also uh, obviously colored with some elements 
from Christianity, you know, by the for for the the things that have been introduced by the Spaniards, Spaniards and the Catholic, uh, I don't know, the the Catholic uh, priests and all that. So uh, the ceremony officially started at 10 p.m. at night, you know, and. But we were all gathered in the circle, and you know, and I was, you know, uh, writing everything in 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 my little logbook. You know, <laughs> for a while, people thought that I was some kind of anthropologist. Well, because I was, you know, just <laughs> 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 so I was jotting everything there in my in my in in my notes, and then you know, they, they passed the uh, a small like piece of a fresh. Peyote cactus, you know, and, uh, and you know, uh, after you uh, eat it down, you know, and uh, and I was kind of expecting, you know, I, I read uh, and I have I have heard that the taste of peyote is, is is incredibly bitter, you know, it's a very nasty taste, but it wasn't really that bad, you know, the, and even though that they had passed also small pieces of uh, uh, orange, you know, to help you. To, uh, with the bitterness of uh, of the peyote, but uh, uh, like I, like I said, it wasn't really that bad. And then it was, you know, just a a matter of like waiting, you know, to see what would happen. And so, meanwhile, while we waited, you know, there was this like uh, uh, periods in which the the shaman and uh, and the people in, of the, the witchols called their shamans by the name of uh, Marakame, the shaman and his wife and his old oldest son, the girlfriend of of the uh, of the oldest son, and also uh, uh, the the younger son, they were all uh, like you know performing a group of chants and I don't know uh, uh, speaking things in 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 their native tongue. And after they will stop, then it was the turn for for the rest of the group, you know, to to also sing if you knew any songs, you know. To beat drums, some people were carrying you know, musical instruments like drums and all and that kind of thing. So th- there was, it was a very active and very uh, communal thing. You know, it wasn't just about you know eating down the thing and you know go <laughs> and walk there by yourself. You know, and tr- uh, to have your own personal private experience. It was definitely something of, of uh, um, uh, a very Mm, how you called it? Uh, well, collective thing. You yeah, know, yeah. it wasn't really, you know, the thing about you know just you by yourself. The the, the people there, you know, made us know that we were really have to do a very uh, to participate in the whole thing. You know, to make sure that the energy, quote unquote, you know, will be flowing and revolving around the group of people. Yeah, uh, but. And, and after the actual fresh peyote, they also uh, passed on, you know, uh, cups with uh, mescaline, you know, this oh. like the pulverized form of peyote, yeah, that they they make out of the dry, the dry cacti, you know. Yeah, see, I've like never tried mix. that shit. All I, the closest I can relate is remember in like Young Guns when they all eat the peyote, and all like mm. fucking yeah. shooting shit and. Like, mm-hmm. how long did it take before you came around? Like, was it like, you must have been, like, fucking nervous. 
you know, it's funny because uh, I decided to attend this from late October, you know, when because Erica told me about this, you know, since we went to Paradigm. So I had three whole months to prepare myself both, you know, physically, well, I don't know, to, to try to uh, get a sleeping bag and all that kind of thing, to try to, to work out the logistics of going there, you know, take no how I will get there, you know, the, uh, uh, the place where it will be and all that kind of thing. And also, you know, to mentally prepare myself, you know, and about finally going through, through taking this first step. And yeah, it was, it was ever present on my mind, you know, during all that time. But then by the time it was, you know, I was really, you know, they passed me the thing and I was like, oh, so this is it. Oh, wow. You know, admiring the, the green translucency of the thing. I, I was surprised <laughs> that I wasn't really that nervous. You know, I was like, okay, let's go. You know? Nice, nice. Attaboy. But yeah. let me tell you that even though I ate this fre the fresh piece of uh, of the cactus and i drank three whole glasses of mescaline i think that nothing happened really that's terrible yeah i mean i i, I think it was this was kind of a failure to launch you know i really <laughs> they didn't have this kind of wild, uh, the kind of uh, uh, visual hallucinatory experience that I was kind of expecting after reading uh, the, the web page of Airwith, you know, uh, the kind of uh, where I investigated the kind of uh, uh, the things that I, one, one can expect from ingesting uh, mescaline. I know, I, I have to say that uh, I really didn't have uh, those that kind of experience, and I also didn't have some kind of you know the thing that I really wanted to to have. You know, I I really didn't go there for a fucking <laughs> you know a light show. To be honest, you know, I I was searching for something more um, transcendental. You know, something more mystical, and I I I, I really feel that. It, did, it didn't actually happen, you know. Maybe, maybe I uh, I needed to uh, increase the dose of medicine, as they as they keep calling it, you know. And during the ceremony, you know, they they they, they passed on the, the 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 glasses with the mescaline and say, okay, take it and cure yourself, right? And you know, uh, something that, that that I found is that each new uh, uh, sip of mescaline was even harder than the first one. You know that it it became harder and harder to 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 drink it and to will myself to 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 gulp it down. You know because really the the the, the taste was becoming uh, quite unbearable. And I also noticed that many of the attendees, you know, and these were seasoned pe pe people who had done the the this this kind of ceremonies. Uh, for many, many times, you know, many of the attendees were uh, vomiting, you know, which was kind of surprising to me because I always assumed that the, the, the that kind of uh, purge, you know, was only, you know, asso associated with ayahuasca ceremonies, you yeah. know, that's where you, you have 
you have heard that people who drink ayahuasca, they often, you know, they suffer from diarrhea and they, they, they puke for several hours and they see that as, as a purification of your body, you know, there's, yeah. a, 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 like they say, a purge, you know, n not only of, uh, of your mind, but also there is a, a, physical, a physical evacuation of, of, of toxins. So, and I also saw that among the, uh, some of these attendees. So what about just some elation or cosmic love feelings? Do you have any of that? I tried to, you know, I was trying to, to, to be in, in some kind of uh, mental state of, you know, rest and, and mental state of, you know, receptivity, even though I was keep trying to, to, to write uh, down my impressions. Another thing that I sh uh, should also point out is that next to us, there was this, uh, you know, uh, Christmas party that was being uh, happening, you know, ju just like a throw stone away from us, you know, with the most god-awful, nasty reggaeton music you can Im ever imagine, you know. <laughs> so it was kind of annoying that you, you want to be all ceremonial and shit, you know, here with the, with the drums and, and, and the shaman chanting, and then you trying also, you know, around being a, a, a gathered around the fire. And next to you, there is like... It was like, ah, fuck, give me a break, you know? <laughs> you know, some people kind of felt that that also got in the way, you know, of, you know, the, 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 the ceremony. But after a while, and, and I think that this was like my most introspective I ever got to this to, to, uh, during the whole night because the thing uh, lasted, you know, on, uh, from... 8 p.m. from uh, uh, the first day to, to to the coming of the sun, you know, the ne the next morning. So, uh, but getting to 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 this moment of introspection, I had I, I kind of had something of a an epiphany, you know, a realization that, in a way, that nasty uh, party with the techno music. It was kind of perfect in a way because it, it became the perfect allegory for uh, the stridency and the and the loudness of the modern world we inhabit. You know, because whether we like it or not, you know, we are living in the 21st century. We are part of this modern civilization. So, on the one side, we you have you know all the the distractions and all the loudness and all the the, the, the temptations, you want to call it like that, of the modern world. And on the other hand, you have these uh, people who are trying to, to preserve this ancient tradition, you know, this song or this, this call to, to have some kind of restoration of uh, the relationship between man and nature, you know, you know between man and trying to find a balance with, uh, between uh, human beings and, and, and the natural order, you know. So that's when I realized that it was only fitting to have the nasty reggaeton music there, you know, because then if, if, it, if, it, didn't, if it wasn't there, then it wouldn't have been much of a merit. You know what I mean? I mean, what I try to say is that, you know, if, if the ceremony had happened 
five two thousand years ago, you know, and there was nothing but the the sound of the drums, you know, and there was nothing but the lights of the fire in front of us. Yeah, and then yeah, sure, sure you can have the goddamn uh, psychedelic experience and and what else, and what else, but. Like I said, whether we like it or not, we are living in this world. And if we are going to try to pursue some kind of uh, spiritual path of, so, of some kind, it's going to be inside this modern world, you know? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, maybe. Do they do that often or how often do they do that? The festival or whatever you want well, to well, they keep telling me that they 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 do these uh, types of ceremonies quite often. You know, I think they're going to have one later this month, but it's going to be um, in, in where they live, that is in the state of Guanajuato. And they're inviting me to it, but I, I'm not sure if I will be able to 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 attend. You know, like I said, you know, this this last thing. It was uh, everything came uh, came together quite nicely, you know. It happened on a Saturday. It happened, you know, by the end of the, uh, December, you know, when there you are, don't have a, a lot of work, and it happened uh, uh, relatively close to where I live in. So that's why I uh, took the decision to, to 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 attend in the first place. If they had told me that this was uh, uh, some place like 100 or 200 miles away from me, you know, I may, I, I might have not uh, gone there. Yeah, I'd, I'd go and try again. I know I've talked to some people who didn't have uh, any luck with their first experience with different things like LSD and mushrooms and things like that. Not myself. Yeah, I know. I, I, Every time I, I tried something I, for the first time, I was fucked. Yeah, I remember reading in, in Dennis McKenna's book, The Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss, that when he first tried ayahuasca, he also failed to have a, a trip. You know, it was only until the second time he tried, or the third even, that he managed to, to, to break that barrier. I'm, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe you're, Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe if something too intense would have happened, it might have set you back now you can sort of continue on your journey and explore different ones maybe and try that one again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i know uh, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've i know i've been disappointed before like in the past on lsd or or mushrooms when i would want to sort of have some sort of hallucination like i'd always hear about those stories but you know i mean i always felt it to a certain extent but sometimes i was dis- disappointed that nothing you know crazier happened so i yeah, yeah like, and like like I said, I I I wasn't really going after some kind of oh interesting visual hallucination. For example, I don't know if you you have ever tried to 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 do this exper- little experiment of you know closing your eyes in a room with no lights and then trying to gently press with your with your fingers, you know the the. the uh, your eyes, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah your eyes, yeah, your eyes, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then that by doing that, you can start to trigger in some kind of interesting, like uh, visual hallucination. That this the the proper scientific term for for that is entoptic phenomena. 
and, and I have uh, I've always been able to do that even even without even pressing the, 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 my eyelids with the fingers as a matter of fact so when I was uh, during that, you know, I, I was feeling a bit frustrated that, quote-unquote, nothing was happening. I, I tried to do that, and yeah, I, I started to see some kind of interesting geometric patterns and all that. But then I felt that it was like forcing it, you know. It yeah, wasn't yeah. really, you know, going flowing out, flowing out naturally. Yeah. And that's when I desisted from doing it. Huh. Interesting. That's too bad. No, I, well, when you come yeah. up to the igloo, man, we'll go up to the mountains and eat some mushrooms and just fucking chill, just love the world. Be good. Cosmic I don't know. Uh, yeah, th- th- there is that uh, I approach, but I, I first wanted to do it, you know, in, in this in this manner, you know, with kind of like uh, th- th- the approach from the ancient tradition, you know, with with a shaman, a guy who allegedly, you know, is kind of like a carrier or a, 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 like a conduit between the our daily day uh, daily day world and you know, and the quote unquote spirit world, you know, and maybe the thing is was that the whole ceremony was maybe just too ceremonious for me, you know. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. The guys, like I said, they, they, they kept inviting me to this. You know, some guy uh, even proposed that I would uh, that I should try ayahuasca, and I don't know. And as, to me, it's like, oh, first time I'm trying to first time to dip my toes in this pool, and now you want me to plunge into the fucking Niagara Falls. You know, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. You know. Yeah, go to mushrooms next. Come here, come visit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe if you know what uh, I, I was thinking, uh, Graham, that maybe if I knew more about meditation and I would tr- had tried to meditate while under the influence, maybe I have, I would have, I would have, have had better results. No, know, you shouldn't maybe. have to. You yeah. can't force that. It just should, yeah. should just like wave in, yeah. like it's on a beach, but the wave just keeps getting bigger and bigger <laughs> and coming closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And it's hidden, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, you know, by the end of it, uh, uh, the whole thing ended uh, with the rising of the sun on the winter solstice. Nice. And I don't know if it, it was, you know, the the some kind of effect after effects of of, of the substance, but that was a sight to see, you know, seeing the sun rise. You know, and then starting to 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 light the, the whole world with 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 color and shit. You know that that was that was really <laughs> something that I I was grateful to 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 experience. Yeah, no doubt. Sounds fucking delightful. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. You know, I, 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 so in the end, I really the don't see. I don't see this as a failure, you know. I think uh, in the overall it was a very, very positive experience. It was it was a you know a, a, a literal journey, you know. The whole planning, the whole thing, going by all by myself, you know, not accompanied by anyone, you know, going to meet a, a group of complete strangers, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then finding out that the strangers were incredibly friendly you know incredibly you know in the same wavelength as i was you know i i i spent 
hours and hours, you know, with whole diarrhea of the mouth, talking with these people, you know, I, I found them to be completely delightful. And then going through the whole ceremony and seeing, you know, the, the, the whole aspect of it. And uh, by the end of it, you know, whenever, when everything was all done, you know, the shaman going to each and every one of the, the attendees, you know, and embracing it, you know, thanking them for having participated in the ceremony. You know, it, it was quite touching. Nice. Yeah, well, you'll have to keep us posted on uh, on how your journey progresses from here. Yeah, I know. You know, I think I might want to write about it for this, for, I don't know, either a Mysterious Universe or the Daily Grail. But, uh, I, uh, or America. To, to, to. <laughs> <laughs> Old uh, America. Yeah, I got some. I got some. So that's, uh, that's it, eh? All right. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Damn it! You're off our quote of the week. I just like to see Graham scramble. It's hard to get him now because he's <laughs> yeah. usually watching me. Yeah. Well, no. I just, every once in a while, I can still catch. I'm him. just prepared. Anyways, that's the UFO quote of the week jingle. So this is a. Uh, if you a did that to me, I wouldn't be prepared. I'd probably just storm out of here. <laughs> A 1977 poll of American astronomers, see how that fits with the suspicious observer, but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. published in JSE, showed the following. Out of 2,611 questionnaires, 1,356 were returned. In response to whether the UFO problem deserved further study, the replies were 23% certainly, 30% probably, 27% possibly, and 17% probably not, and 3% certainly not. Interestingly, hmm. there was a positive correlation between the amount of reading done on the subject and the opinion that further study was in order. And that was from Bernard Heisch, astrophysicist. Or Heisch. Astro? Heisch? How's it spelled? H-A-I-S-C-H. H-H-H-I? H-A-I. I think the guy is from France. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. France. Yeah, I recognize that uh, that name. But yeah, very good quote. And that's uh, it's funny because that's what that's what happens is um, you know you hear people saying it all the time. If they would just do a little bit of research, their mind might change. Right. That's going for the the full on UFO deniers and stuff. Don't be a denier. Uh, that wasn't bad. Yeah. I got some feedback. Seems like it's been forever it. since we've had a, uh, a what? A UFO quote. A what? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, <laughs> no, it does because we we didn't really do an intro for the bonus episode, and it's been a while since we did oh. one. So, which didn't even really turn out to be a bonus episode because now this episode's five days later. Four yeah, days. but that's okay. But no, we're still going to squeeze out an extra one. Still, it'll just take a little longer than we planned. The the bonus wasn't as instant. Yeah. As instant as it might have came off. So there's been a lot of feedback on lucid dreaming, which is pretty cool. Maybe we should do a follow-up episode one of these days after I've been able to master it a little bit more. Sweet. But, uh, yeah, Jake says, hey, Graham, it's uh, it's Jake. Amazing show. You guys, <laughs> you guys blow my mind every time I listen. Really interested in the lucid dreaming. Going to start trying it. I was talking to a buddy at work. He told me about this herb called... Kalia, or maybe Celia, Zakatichichi. Zakatichichi? The dream herb. Read up on it a bit. Yeah, and it was saying that people use it for lucid dreaming. So I got some 
and mm. I feel like I'm ready, I will try it. But I was wondering if you have heard about it or if you've tried it. I'm not one to try drugs, neither am I ever, but I'm interested. Anyways, keep up blowing my minds, guys. You guys are amazing, and uh, thanks for that. I want to. Is that the herb you're talking about there? Weren't you or talking herb. about a tea? A tea, uh, a dream dreaming tea? tea. Yeah, yeah. A lucid dreaming tea. Is that is that this? Uh, I think that yeah. I think that Ben from the Mysterious Universe, you know, try some kind of uh, Chinese herbs, you know, to try to to elucidate uh, lucid dreamings. But I think it didn't work for him. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I remember that too. I should look that up. It's probably the same stuff, but who knows? There's probably quite a bit of it too. There's probably a lot of it that say it's going to help your dreams and it does fuck all. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and it's fucking oregano or something. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll look it up. Then I'll give it a shot for sure. Yeah, because well, I, I mean, unless it's a drug, but I don't think it's a drug. It's no. The one I seen was just like a fucking tea packet that yeah. said lucid dreaming tea. It was actually yeah. when me and my wife were before we were married, we were at our social. We were some friend of my aunt's gave us. She was out of town, so she said we could just stay at her house, and you, it just happened to be in the cupboard there. You might have to explain that to the rest of the world and the people in Eastern Canada and the people in Western Canada that the Prairie people or the Northern people have these socials. Is that what it is? <laughs> the Northern people a social, yeah, it's like what a stag and doe. It's it's people aren't going to know what that is. It's a big party. It's like instead of going out somewhere, you have everybody's going to know what that is. A social? No, no. I didn't I know, know what it is until a few years ago. Oh, you're fucked. Because a friend was from Winnipeg or something like that. <sighs> Anyways, okay. so you found out about this at a social, at a big party, basically? No, at the house that we were house-sitting. Oh, okay. And they had this lucid dreaming tea? Yeah. And you tried it? No, Lisa did. <laughs> and? Can't remember. You can't remember? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But there are many many other things that you can try to try to trigger a lucid dream. Well, I think uh, that to me is kind of effective is uh, trying to, to keep sleeping, you know, uh, after the sun has already risen, you know. So it's quite better if you do it during the weekends, you know, Saturday or Sunday, you know, where you can oversleep. You can try to do it, you know, at nine or ten a.m. You know, and that's when usually it it it, it can happen better than you know in the early hours of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the when, that's when I have my best dreams too. It's after I wake up in the morning and I go the back to bed method. That's what they call it. Wake back to bed. That's what it's called. Yeah. The wake yeah. back to bed yeah. method. Yeah. They couldn't come up with something simpler than that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what some guys call it. What about the WBTV? Yeah, that yeah, that's okay too. Okay, I like yeah, that better. Yeah. So I got some more. Uh, we got some reviews, some recent reviews on iTunes. And we want to thank everybody for doing that. Uh, Stuart James it's good says as a donation. It's Stuart uh, could be. Yeah, Stuart. Uh, it is. I just said it is. James says it took me a little while to warm up to their particular style, but now I'm hooked on this show. Really great guests and interviews. Oh, and the hosts are all right too. And then, uh, <laughs> and then. Uh, Examman66 says, okay, good day. How's it going, eh? And he says, the first time I heard the show, I thought, why are these guys doing Bob and Doug McKenzie impressions on a paranormal podcast? (laughs) Then I realized they're actually Canadians. And they are, they are, what does it say? And they are the only podcasters I have heard who managed to do smart, in-depth interviews while keeping a genuine sense of humor with a U because that's how it's spelt in Canada, eh? And they sound knowledgeable, laid back, and funny. 
This show is definitely in my must-listen category. So, wow, very humbling review. Thank you very much. And then yeah, Dan Thrash says, uh, awesome show at the end. Oh, and this is a comment to uh, the Randall Carlson interview, I think. He says, at the end, I heard him say he wanted to come back to talk about climate change and the scientific consensus. Really hoping you guys can take him up on that for a third conversation. I love listening to this guy. The guests lately have been great. I do a third shift warehouse work, and you guys get me through the night. Keep doing what you do. I'll donate when I can. That's the Dan Thrash. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Dan. You don't have to donate. You can just review. How would a review? Maybe you already did. Yeah, well, reviews help, but they're not like a donation, buddy. Sure they are. To me, they are. Uh, Are they? Maybe not to you. (laughs) Stuart donated, too, so thanks, Stu. Wow. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I'll save the synchronicities for the next uh, intro. Mm -hmm. And I did want to say, I did want to ask you guys. Do you remember to thank Ryan for the donation last show? I'm not, I don't I can't think remember so. It's been, it feels like it's been a long time since we've done an intro. We skipped one yeah, it week. Does. And then we took two weeks off at Christmas. And yeah, it's all out of whack. But thanks, Ryan. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to repeat some stuff here. But no. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> so we got, uh, we got a note from Chris Atta, too. He says, great show. I'm a listener from AZ. He said he should be a... a What's a AZ, money, Arizona? Arizona, yeah. I should be a money supporter, yeah. and he will be ASAP, he promises. Uh, his friend Joel is a member and has him hooked. I remember getting an email from Joel uh, quite a few months back, and he's—they're wondering if we've Joel read, uh, yeah, probably Charles Hapgood's book on Earth shifting crust. He says Einstein wrote the foreword for the book. It's a great read. Some cool info on the erratic boulders, etc. You'll dig it. Next time you're in Scottsdale, look him up. We can chill. He has a huge personal library we could dig through. So keep up the good work, Chris says. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, we'll definitely be in AZ at some point, either going to Sedona or going to a UFO conference or going to uh, for a golfing weekend or something like that. Yeah, it seems inevitable. We actually, me and the family, we're going to go down for Christmas, but flights were crazy. Yeah. But we're yeah. planning on, like, next winter, I want to ditch down for sure and yeah. escape the winter for a bit. We can go rent a little house someplace. Or... Yeah, well, no, I've got, uh, I know go- somebody, I know somebody who's got we a go house in at Mesa. RPGs. Mesa. There's a house in Mesa. <laughs> Friend, friend of ours. Perfect. Yeah, there you go, buddy. We could meet RPJ there. Are you? Are you going to the international UFO conference this year, Grant? Uh no, I don't think so. Mm. You don't even have to fly to Arizona, do you? RPJ, can't you just like fucking? No, isn't it walking it's distance? Long, no, it's a long ways. Walking no. distance from Arizona. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Quit it, Bob McKenzie. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know that a lot of people do that, you know, walk all the way from Mexico to the to, to United States, but, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it. Do we have any synchros? No, I'll save that for the next intro. No synchros? No. I was feeling generous, too. I know, you want to play bad. the jingle, that's all. Yeah, I just wanted to play the jingle. You jingo. can play the jingle if you want. <laughs> no, it's not the same. All right, okay. So what else do we have to cover? Uh, just help help the show out. Donate. We don't have any ads. Uh, no no breaks. Up. No cor- corporate sponsorship. Nothing like that. It's just us. Uh, and we have an expense spread every month. Spread the word. Yeah. We don't have any advertising for ourselves either. All we have is you guys. So yeah. spread the word. That's right. Yeah, we'd like to just cover our expenses anyway. So Yeah. And send the feedback, synchronicity, psychedelic experiences. G-R-A-H-A-M at com. Yeah. And uh, Red Pill Junkie, we'll have to have you back. Uh, 
uh, when we can talk about what's new in the 14 world and what you're writing about. Well, well let's, let's not wait so long next time. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I've been kind of lazy lately with the blogging, but I'm hoping to 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 catch up. You know, uh, get back in the saddle uh, uh, as soon as I can. Yeah, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the chat with uh, Mr. Ben Davidson of Suspicious Observers. Uh, kind of fits along with the motif so far. I guess we should have a well. We had Moser on; he was pretty pro. That's actually pretty fitting because the last bonus episode ended with Moser fucking warning us that global warming was coming, and this guy saying global warming. Did you say global warming? Yeah. And this guy saying we should be more worried about a fucking kill shot. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. The sides are very far apart. Neither sound fun. No. And we'll take a quick two-minute break. (laughs) Enjoy the chat. America this afternoon. We're going to be chatting with uh, Mr. Ben Davidson of Suspicious Observers. Um, I was watching the, a bit of stuff on the YouTube channel uh, last night, and I'm pretty excited. Uh, so, how's it going, Graham? Hey, Darren. I'm doing well. I'm excited for this. Excited for uh, today. We've got a double header going on here. Got a rambling Graham. You're scrambling Graham. Scrambling today. Graham today. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not used to this noon start, but it's good. So we've we've uh, we've got Ben Davidson here, and he was suggested to us by a listener. Actually, this is one of those. Uh, I think it was listen- Hank Scorpio, but I can't, it? Yeah. can't remember for sure. He's like, yeah, you got to have you know Ben Davidson on. So we started looking into it, and it's and it's fascinating. He's got a mobile observatory project, and they go around uh, North America educating uh, public and schools and stuff about solar science and climate change and this type of thing. Really fascinating, and he's got a YouTube channel called Suspicious Observers, and they basically do, you know, news, climate change news and stuff like that with no political or corporate uh, agenda whatsoever. So we're really looking forward to chatting with him. I mean, this has been a, a kind of a, you know, a bit of a topic in America on and off, and we're looking forward to hearing, you know, some some of the science behind it. And uh, so we'd really like to welcome you to the show, Ben. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, very much so. Yeah, this is kind of ironic because I think it was just a little earlier in the week we were trying to have the uh, the, the climate debate with a, another guest, and we, we were really kind of realizing how how oh, some people just can't even fathom what you're getting into when you start um, going against the grain. Um, but I think you wanted before we got into all that. I think you wanted to talk, get into the mobile observatory. Uh, the a mobile observatory? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to. Yeah, Ben, to talk about that a little bit, and then we'll get into some of the more controversial stuff later. Sure, uh, absolutely. The uh, ultra-quick backstory is 
Um, I was uh, in professional research uh, one day back in 2011. I kind of had my wake up moment. I'm, oh. uh, I, I was sound asleep before then. Uh, all of us are there at one. All of us are there at one point. And so I decided that uh, after finding it very, very difficult to find anything credible on YouTube or on the internet, or at least figure out which one percent of this information was credible and which ninety-nine percent were absolute lunatics, I decided. Wait a minute, this is what I'm trained to do, and so I decided to start. Uh, a YouTube channel where I would do research on the things that interested me uh, specifically. Um, you can call it uh, disaster science. That's a big part of it. Uh, a lot of what I focus on is on the sun, uh, Earth's magnetosphere, and the pole shift. Uh, we also talk about climate and a number of other things. One day I looked down and there's about 150,000 subscribers. So I said, well, it's pretty much everyone's dream when they wake up to be able to kiss the corporate world goodbye and <laughs> just go do what you want to do. And I'm lucky enough to be in, uh, have been able to do that. Right now we have about 207,000 subscribers to the channel. And when I quit my job, wow. December, uh, December 31st of 2013, um, we decided that we were going to hit the road in, an, in a mobile observatory. I basically transformed a 36-foot Class A RV into a mobile science lab of sorts. And we've been going around meeting some of those individuals uh, that watch the show, uh, doing lectures at schools, at wow. museums, universities. And uh, it's it's really just been a lot of fun. Get to meet a lot of the scientists that I work with all over uh, the country as well. It's uh, It's been great. I'm doing it with my wife. Uh, my wife is four months pregnant with our first kid. We don't have the best timing in the world. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we're, we were on the road maybe two months and then boom just kind of happened like that and so it's my wife and i and our two little puppies and we're uh traveling the country and having a great time doing it wow that's great congratulations and yeah. does a lot of your, your stuff uh, focus on solar aspect then um is that a love a love of yours the sun or yes um if it wasn't before it certainly is now i've always been interested in in solar science but until i actually decided to try to dive into it myself uh much of it just seemed like it was above my head like oh this is fascinating stuff but i'm sure it's too too complex and i could never really get into it and um i'm not going to say it's easy uh it took all of the you know research and training skills that i've been given to get where i am now but it's not the kind of thing where it's it, it can't be understood and um one of the things that uh, if I may toss humility to the wind for a moment, I do a pretty good job bringing it down to a level that's understandable for pretty much anyone. I do a lot of teaching to third, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, and they seem to get it all right. So, um, yeah, uh, a lot of it focuses on the sun. And, of course, the sun has his, uh, has his hands in everything, a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak, uh, when it comes to day-to-day -day weather, long-term climate. Uh, massive storm formation, earthquakes, volcanoes, uh, even modulating how many galactic cosmic rays uh, get into the inner solar system and reach Earth. A lot of that stuff is based on uh, what exactly the sun is doing, and so that's pretty much where that's pretty much the nexus of our research. Everything comes from that central point and goes out to where it's focused on. It's kind of funny how all the uh like every ancient culture too used to worship the sun and kind of realize, and we've kind of got gotten away from that in the modern day. You know what I mean? The sun is just kind of there. We've lost all kind of 
um, regard for how important and how big of a role it plays. And, and instead we focus on it must be us because, you know, we're the most important thing in the universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did, does your, uh, does your observatory have, like I noticed on your, on your channels there, you can see the sun through different types of, uh, lenses, I guess. Yeah. So is that what you do on a regular basis is watch the sun and, and measure what's going on there? Cause I, I did watch, uh, your little daily update there on the news around the world. It's just, it's, it was great. Just, just a real, uh, <clears throat> recap of like what's going on with the sun, what's going on with the, the, uh, the polar regions, what's going on with the storms, like really kind of just, here's how it is. There's no, you can tell there's no agenda behind it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, when we are, we do have a solar telescope here in the observatory, Okay. Uh, that pretty much, however, only just, uh, you know, magnifies the sun and cuts down on the glare. So you can actually see down to the surface with your, you know, just with your bare eyes, no, nothing else like that, and see the sunspots. Um, and then uh, I, I usually start with that when it comes to being at schools or something. And then we go inside to a gym or an auditorium and I show them what those sunspots actually do. And when you start showing kids, uh, pictures of explosions the size of jupiter which would be the solar flares it's it's wonderful to to be standing in front of 200 kids and hear them all scream wow at the exact same time it's um, it it might be a little naive on my part but i like to think there's a little love of science being born when that happens oh no that's not naive at all i mean i think that's that's fascinating i mean just to the technology that you know you can now travel around north america with and Show kids what's going on. It's great. I've got a uh, a solar lens for my telescope out there, but I've, I'm a little gun shy. I haven't got around to putting it in yet. I'm a little <laughs> gun shy while looking at the sun with a telescope. Well, you know what's uh, depending on how big uh, the actual uh, telescope is, you can even just use a welding lens, and that'll work just fine. Before I got this telescope, I bought a welding lens. Um, and I just went to my local hardware store, picked one up put it on the end of my binoculars like i just held it there with my hand it wasn't even attached with anything and i was able to see sunspots very very well just with binoculars and that so uh, it doesn't take much to filter enough light for you to be able to look at the sun safely and and be able to see uh all kinds of stuff that'll get your mind going and pique your interest things like that Really? I'm, well, I'm going to have to pick up some binoculars. I'm a welder by trade, so I, I have no problem with the lenses. I, I want to see some sunspots. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it will be very, very easy if you, if you get any kind of binoculars or a telescope and you put, the, you put that lens in front. It will filter out plenty of the light. Maybe we could do that this afternoon. Yeah, well, the sun will be gone in a couple hours, buddy. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, we only get two hours of sun a day in the winter. So, <laughs> so uh so let's get into a little bit of the science about it then. Um, we, we're realizing here, like we mentioned earlier, how polarized this this topic is. And it's, it's really blowing my mind. Like you've got people that we've talked to that, that, that can't even fathom that humans may not be the big cause of climate change. And then, you know, and then you've got the other side, a whole bunch of scientists coming forward saying like that we're going to possibly be entering into a small, you know, freeze or, or little, I don't know if ice age is the right word, but, um, did this, did this surprise you? Like the, the polarization that this is like, you've been into this for a couple of years now. Like, are you, do you sometimes sit back and go, wow, like, am I really prepared to, to kind of do this battle? Um, 
something close to that. It's a lot of, wow, I can't believe how much evidence there is that is being overrun by propaganda. Uh, you know, the, the mainstream propaganda pretty much just, um, you know, acts like a bowling ball to all of the uh, pins of evidence pointing the other direction. Yeah, just yeah. knocks them all out of the way. Uh, I mean, $30 billion a year really talks, and that is the budget uh, that goes to uh, basically certifying and quantifying man-made uh, global warming. It really talks. It really does. Um, but yeah, it is. It can be surprising, and it can feel overwhelming mm-hmm. because uh, there's uh, to get a full understanding. I mean, if you if you really want to dive into it yourself, take some kind of ownership over what you believe and what you think. It is not. Um, it's not a weekend retreat. It's not a seminar, if I can quote Tyler Durden there. Um, it really does take a little bit of time to get into everything. But, if but you, once you do, uh, you can start to differentiate for yourself where the mainstream talking points don't seem to match up with the data uh, and things of that nature. So did it come out, I suppose, in the best interest? Like where did where did the mainstream sort of, when I, did it start to stray from, from the actual science? Um, <clears throat> when they started having to explain away why the the planet wasn't warming the way they thought it was going to warm or the way they had told us it was going to warm. You know, uh, ever since the inception of the IPCC, which is the uh, International Panel on Climate Change from the UN, they have basically been miserable failures when it comes to predicting the global temperatures. Uh, they have managed to uh, correctly predict that we would be seeing more severe storms, worse floods, worse droughts in other areas. But that can be caused by a number of things, not just global warming and not just human influence. Yeah. And if I if I can take a moment to, you know, preface preface what's going to come on this show uh, with something I make sure I lay out for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I am no fan of pollution. Um, it is poison, and if you know anything about the respiratory, neurological, and even endocrine disruption that uh, and other kind of bodily harm that comes with man-made pollutants, um, you can't be a fan of it. And I'm certainly no fan of oil companies either. But yeah. um, our, our society globally is now being led down a path that is based on false information, and we are not preparing for the real dangers of climate change. Climate change is very real. Um, and it's very, very different than what you hear, uh, you know, from the talking heads on the television and especially from our president. Um, it's just a, a completely different story. And um, I don't know, where, where would you guys like to, to dive into it, I suppose? Well, I guess I, I have some personal questions because I've been f- trying to follow this a little bit, especially when we have guys like yourself coming on or we've been, we've been, you know, we've had other guests that, that can't comprehend that, that something might be different than what the mainstream is telling us. And even just, just the temperature difference between in the last 20 years, like how do we even know what to believe there? Like you got some guys showing up charts and graphs that say, Oh, you know, the temperatures, uh, you know, it's stagnant now over the last 20 years and it's really only raised like 0.4 
percent or 0.4 of a degree. And then you got some people saying 0.8. Like what, what's really happened with the temperature in the last 20, 30 years for people? I think I'd like to start there and then maybe talk about this, this meme of the 97%, just to kind of give people that aren't familiar with this side of the story, a little bit of, you know, facts and backgrounds. Well, um, based on the best data that's available, and I know that a lot of people who are in the awake community, they don't like the official sources. But uh, when it comes to looking at temperature, I look at NOAA, I look at NASA, I look at the European uh, agency, which is called the Met Office. Uh-huh. I, look, I look at the, the IPS uh, out of Australia, and all of those are pretty much matching up. Uh, as well as they could possibly be. We had rapid warming up until about uh, 18 years ago. And then we sort of started to plateau. And based on where you cherry pick uh, the years in between then, um, we have done a bit of cooling since then. And of course, the the rub there is that all predictions were that we would have runaway warming uh, because carbon dioxide and other uh, carbon emissions have continued to go up exponentially. Those have not plateaued or gone down. And so we're really seeing a disconnect between uh, the carbon emissions and the temperature. And so now there are officially 42 or 43 different explanations for what they call the global warming pause. And this has caused <laughs> such a stir in the community that they're now even getting the folks to try to to try to convince some people that there has been no global warming pause. I was actually talking with uh, with a student yesterday at an event who was trying to claim that uh, all these people were coming out and retracting their statements about a global warming pause. Well, it's great that they may want to do that, oh but the number the, the numbers say what the numbers say, and uh, we have pretty much. Uh, I mean, we go up and down year to year, but we've really plateaued and had a pause in global warming uh, starting about 17 or 18 years ago. And you're and you're going with NASA and NOAA and Met's data, so it's not like you're, yeah, you're not going, sound like you're using some renegade uh, data that's you know hasn't no, been. No, the name of the game is I'll play the game the way they want it to be played. I'll use the facts they want to use, and I will show exactly what the truth is within there. I, you know, it's. It would be, you know, nice if, uh, you know, we could have some sort of independent, uh, you know, accounting of these numbers and this data. Yeah. But uh, in my opinion, if you can play their game their way and still win, that's the best way to go. Yeah. So that, that's what we try to do. Absolutely. So speaking of uh, of NASA data, is has there actually been manipulation of some of these numbers? Like we talked to. Absolutely. Yeah, we talked to Dr. Don Easterbrook a few months back, and he was saying he still has charts from when he was doing this back in the 70s that show the actual temperatures that were the 30s were, and the 30s are still the hottest decade on record. Absolutely. This this really broke into the news when a man named uh, Tony Heller, he goes by the pseudonym Stephen Goddard on the Internet. He runs Real Science, uh, which is a great website. He went back through the archives and he found the original charts and he he basically overlaid them on what they're currently using. And the temperatures matched for about the last 30 or 40 years or so. But the temperatures from the early part of the 19 of the of the 1900s had been dropped 
you know, we're not talking about point point four, point eight. They were dropped like two or three whole degrees, uh, oh. basically turning a cooling trend into a warming trend. This was picked up by the Telegraph and a, uh, a and a couple of other news sources. Of course, no big ones in this country, but um, it took NASA seven days to get that old chart out of their archives and they have now since removed it um but literally for seven days every day in the news i was pointing people here look you can go see how they've changed it and it was more than just nasa it was noah and nasa doing it together um but yeah that is that absolutely took place and um (laughs) it's really just unfortunate that something like that uh actually happened because it it really makes you question a lot of the other information that you're seeing yeah and it's kind of it's troubling too because you know like even 30 years ago that would have been solid evidence you've still got that old chart but nowadays in the days of you know photoshop and everything else and like another in another five years from now that'll be a conspiracy theory that you know these charts never fucking existed yeah you know i'd like to share something with you guys that uh you know, even the folks who are well versed on this topic probably don't know. Uh, and we'll start with something that is uh, fairly common knowledge in academia. When you get a, a big paper that is submitted for publication or you get one of these big government or UN reports, there's a couple of names as authors up at the top. And then in the acknowledgement paragraph way down on the last page at the bottom, you see, a, you know, dozens of names, everybody who helped out on the project. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really those folks who do a lot of the work in most cases. And when it comes to some of the IPCC reports, uh, some of those folks were friends that I had made uh, back when I was just starting, uh, when I was just starting in university. I started at Penn State and I was in the meteorology department and I had many, many disagreements about how we forecast the weather. Uh, nothing to do with climate change whatsoever, but I ended up leaving. Uh, they did not, however, and so they moved up, went through grad school, went through AccuWeather, and basically pipelined into the IPCC. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, uh, you know, they were telling me, because I kept in contact with these folks, that what we were hearing in the news and what was being published in the actual reports was not what the scientists were coming up with. And, uh, they were coming up with ideas like uh, this warming is slowing down. We could be going into a plateau, uh, maybe even cooling. Most of this is driven by the sun. Uh, humans do play a role in this, and that should be given some amount of, of attention, certainly. But the real driver of the changes was the sun, and that the sun was looking like it was going to go pretty much to sleep, which we think it is going to do here uh, for about 50 to 70 years, which could create a significant amount of global cooling. The problem is their conclusions were rejected and they were basically told to go rewrite them. And if they, uh, if they didn't come down uh, a certain way, they would have their funding pulled. They would lose their jobs. Now, this was a couple of years ago that they were telling me this. And since then, there has been an absolute flood of individuals coming out with uh, similar stories. Um, 
because this name at the moment is escaping me, you'll have to uh, forgive a click or two of mine because I can find yeah, the no, name. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> I can find the name in, uh, you know, kind of a snap of my fingers here. But at this point, uh, professors from Yale, Princeton, and Harvard have all questioned the usefulness and the scientific integrity of the IPCC. Wow. Uh, and uh, the name of the Harvard professor, which I'm going to get here in just one second, as uh, as soon as this page will load. Is it is this uh, part of that 33,000 uh, kind of people coming forward or, or however many right. that was? Right. It started as the Senate Minority Report, where a, a couple hundred scientists were um, saying that, look, this global warming thing isn't what you, you say it is. And then later there was the... Um, there was a list of about 33,000 scientists, which uh, is about 100 times more than the number of scientists that were used to come up with that 97% number. But we'll get to that in a second. The, yeah. the, Harvard, the Harvard professor's name is Robert Stabbins. And they're basically saying that um, what is supposed to be summaries and reports for policymakers end up being summaries and reports by policymakers such that the people who are uh you know basically the political figureheads uh and the people pushing this one agenda basically get to tell them what to say which is really unfortunate and since then we've seen a number of of individuals quit the IPCC um and we're not talking about you know just your your random, oh, this one scientist working on this one project. We're talking about one of the lead authors for the IPCC, Richard Toll, um, a leviathan of climate science, basically said, you guys have lost your way. Um, this is this has become political propaganda. You guys aren't actually looking for the truth anymore. And so he quit. Uh, he joined a, a list of very distinguished individuals like John Coleman, the man who founded the Weather Channel, uh, who sees the 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 propaganda's live for what it is? John Casey, who um, I was going to ask about him. Yeah, yeah, he worked for NASA. Uh, he was, worked for um, White House administrations. Uh, really a genius. The European version of basically, if you put John Coleman and John Casey together, there's a guy named Lennart Benson over in Europe, and he sees these things for what they are as well. You've got professors at Duke, at the University of Alabama, Huntsville, pretty much all over the country that are sort of losing their fear that something bad is going to happen to them. And it's not that that fear was unfounded. The stories are coming out also about people who have been bullied. I mean, literally, we're talking about adults bullying each other uh, over over just data and um, talk about people getting their funding cut, people losing their jobs, people losing their positions in, uh, you know, public policy groups uh, and other NGOs and things like that. And it really has become uh, a pretty vile thing. Uh, you had said you wanted to talk about the alleged consensus, and I sort of mentioned that 97% number. Essentially, to be counted as one of the people contributing to that uh you know, that figure, you had to be discussing climate change, uh, specifically global warming, 
And you had to basically um, be somebody who was dedicated to that study only. And the only people who are really only dedicated to that work for the IPCC and their paychecks come uh, from money that is earmarked for just that purpose, uh, you know, just the purpose of convincing everyone uh, about man-made global warming. And that's where the 97% comes from. It's 97% of them. Right. 97% of them. And the consensus actually is only that climate change is real and humans have played a role in it. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say humans play no role in this or that climate change isn't real. It, it's, it'd be like saying, you know, 97% of people think that, um, you know, the air is breathable and that humans do it. It's like, well, yeah, nobody's arguing against that point. Um, it's the scale that's exactly it's the scale. And so, uh, when you look at just how bad their predictions have been, I mean, dismal failures for nearly two decades, that's where we sort of picked up and started to look for an explanation. What were they missing? Not to kind of say, um, Oh, see, this is all nonsense. There's no climate problem. Let them pollute all they want. No, that's not the the point of this at all. The point is, you know, climate change is very real. There's evidence throughout history that climate change has had um, enormous impacts on society and civilizations. And it'd be really great if we could sort of shore up our, our loose ends here and figure out where this all went wrong over the last two decades. And that's pretty much where, where we put our foot in the door and, uh, and go from there. Well, it sounds like there's hope then. I mean, when, when I hear you talk about this sort of, you know, exodus of scientists, uh, uh, it, it sounds like there is some hope and this will, this kind of house of cards has got to come down eventually. Uh, it's just like how much, how, yeah. is that, is this some of the reason why, uh, that thing in Lima, Peru recently was uh, kind of stalled. I mean, is it coming to the point now where they're not going to get any resolution because nobody really knows what to believe anymore? Um, you know, I wish I could say I knew what exactly was going on behind the scenes down in Lima because uh, I honestly thought that that was just going to go one way. And it turned out that there was a lot of opposition to um, what has been the prevailing propaganda for two decades more than two decades now um you know in terms of you know being encouraged by some of the things i see it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword i'm very encouraged that we have giants of climate science coming out and saying uh no this is not what they have been telling us now for years and years and years but at the same time it seems like that has caused them to spend more and push more and um, basically label anyone who goes against what they say some kind of denier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Don't be a denier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's their new, it's their new catchword. Just like the CIA made a uh, conspiracy, a dirty <sighs> work years ago um, to try to get people to think all these all these conspiracy theories are nonsense. These people are all crazy. That was actually a direct psychological operation or psyop by the CIA back then. And it's worked and wonders. It's worked wonders. And now they're trying to do the exact same thing here with the with the denier term. 
Yeah, and people people believe uh, the TV, the mainstream, the news, all that stuff. It's uh, it's hard for people to get people to look at the other side of everything. Yeah, well, do you remember what it was like before you quote woke up? Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's literally like being in a different world, really. And um, you know, you don't think the same way. You that which you trust and that which you approach with suspicion is completely different on you know, before and after you wake up. And so, uh, in a, in, in some way, I kind of understand why it's so difficult for people to, to get into this. There's a lot of normalcy bias, uh, things yeah. like that. I've, I've been kind of, I've had a problem though with, with, uh, global warming since I was a kid. That's one thing. That's one, one of the things that I just never really, even when I was a kid, I was like, I don't know. That seems fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say that I, I saw it for what it is. I was, I mean, I'm, I'm not too proud to admit my mistakes. I used the denier term as recently as 2010. Uh, I believed this hook, line, and sinker. And then what I was trying to do actually was to go in and debunk the, the so-called deniers and the people who were saying that the planet was going to get cooler. Because, you know, what I what I did when I say I was in professional research, I was in due diligence, which is essentially uh, due diligence is the research that goes into investments. And, you know, you talk about, oh, professors doing this or governments doing research that, believe me, when there's millions of dollars of investment on the line, that is about as difficult as it gets in terms of pressure, because you not only have the data, but it's interdisciplinary. You want to um, you want to invest in something. You have to do all the research on the economics, the legal aspect, and then become an expert in whatever the hell you're investing in. If that's a pharmaceutical company, you better know your biology and chemistry. If it's a mining operation, you better know your physics and your geology. Uh, and on top of all of that, somebody's trying to get money from you, so you have to be able to sniff through BS as well. And um, you know, I. I'm, this is really what I'm trained for. Uh, I'm not really trained to do anything else. And when I went after that goal of trying to debunk those folks, I found out that they were the ones telling the truth. That global warming was not what we had been told. And if you're honest with yourself about what the signs say, if you have the ears to hear, so to speak, uh, you can you can really see the trends that this planet could get very, very cold very soon. Yeah. Well, I want to get into that in a bit. It seems crazy. Like, how does it get to the point that, that, you know, like 90% of the public or at least 75 is believing that if, you know, if 33,000 scientists have signed this petition, then that means that a million and a half other scientists are saying it's bullshit. Yeah. We're not far removed from, Denying, denying man-made climate change and global warming being a crime. So, so it seems like, or what do you think about how this started? Did they just see this trend of global warming like 20 years ago and, and just try and capitalize on it? Or, or was it going to happen no matter what? Like, it seems like the, the climate kind of kicked them in the ass, right? They, they tried to take advantage of this warming trend. And then it just, as soon as that happened, it, it stopped warming. Yeah. Well, I mean, anybody who, uh, was either around back in the seventies or went has tried to go back to see what was written back in the seventies. They were talking about the next ice age coming yeah. soon. 
Yeah. Uh, and they were talking about it coming after uh, a multi-decade warming of the planet. So, uh, so far, those folks are still on, on track. Uh, in terms of what your question was, it was a combination of things. You have people like Al Gore, who were so heavily invested in that company that was going to benefit from the carbon uh, trading, or mm -hmm. like the carbon credits. He would have been one of the richest people in the world within years if he had gotten his way. Uh, no conflict of interest there. Um, uh, on the other side, there appears to be this this meme in uh, amidst the elites, and you can see some of this back uh, in their Vancouver meeting from the eighties. They're talking about uh, how the human race needs to kind of all get on the same page and move towards something. This would be kind of like that thing Reagan said about how quickly all our differences would disappear if an alien civilization came. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, that he said that, and it was true because that would threaten everybody and everything in our way of life. And we'd have to come together to do it. And chances are, if we could all come together, um, that would be a good thing for our species. This is kind of like that. But of course you have people like Al Gore, um, and, you know, it, I've, I've mentioned his name now twice. There's really dozens, maybe even hundreds of names I could mention. And, and so it, they're, they're trying to do their best to take advantage of the situation as well. They don't they don't like letting disasters go to waste. Um, you know, they like picking picking up the scraps and buying when there's blood on the street, uh, as Lord Rothschild once said. <laughs> So let's get into the, a bit of the science then and what you're talking about, how if you look at the long-term patterns of the sun cycles, mm -hmm. um, are you, are, I, I, I'm going to link to this video in, in our show notes because it was pretty fascinating. Very, very good overview of the sun and how it plays a part in climate change. And it looks like we're, we're entering into like a maunder minimum or something like that. Is that what uh, it's showing? Absolutely. Uh, the 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 simple the simplified version is the sun goes through about a 400 year grand cycle uh we've seen one in the past that we think was closer to 600 years maybe there was one that was about 350 but for the most part it's about a 400 year grand cycle mm -hmm. and that is a much longer cycle than an 11 year cycle that the sun has where it increases in activity and decreases in activity but that tiny little 11 year cycle follows a much larger 400 year cycle. And what happens is we have this grand solar minimum where the sun is very, very inactive. And then it slowly starts to pick up its activity until it reaches a peak. And then it drops off very, very quickly into another minimum. And so um, just looking at the current grand solar cycle that we are in, it began uh, with the last grand solar minimum in the 1600s and early 1700s, which was the coldest and worst part of the last mini ice age or the little ice age. And it slowly increased in activity, peaking about two decades ago. And then all of a sudden, activity started to plummet. And, um, you know, we have only been directly observing solar activity uh, via sunspots or whatever for about the last 400 years. But through ice cores and through a number of other means, we can do a really good job reconstructing the last 
uh, 11 or 12,000 years. And what they're seeing is that we have, we are in the midst of some of the most extreme, uh, solar swings that we have ever had record of. So for example, from about 1940 to the mid 1990s was the highest solar activity of this grand cycle, the 400 year cycle right during global warming. Uh, and as if that wasn't a, enough of a coincidence, we can't find any time in our in our thousands of years of reconstruction where the sun was more active. So literally, during that time of the most global warming, the sun was the most active it had been in thousands of years. So you're However, saying our CO2 is getting to the sun somehow? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've actually had people ask me how, uh, how, how our pollution possibly be affecting the sun i mean it, it, that was literally where their mind went it's amazing how well they've trained these people isn't it oh totally but what's interesting is right at that time when the sun decided to stop its major activity it began plummeting very very quickly in fact uh most of the solar scientists who look back through the data say that the sun is now weakening faster than at any time in the last uh 9300 years so wow. 9300 and that time they pinpoint when the sun began to weaken that's exactly the time of the global warming pause began uh we're, we're talking like within weeks to months uh the sun stops its major activity and starts hitting the floor and all of a sudden we get a global warming pause it's um it's a fascinating coincidence so do we have do we have the ability to go back any farther than that like any farther than 10 or 12,000 years like can is there any way of gauging like even a full processional cycle not when it comes to solar activity that that's probably pretty difficult um but you know it's we may not even really need to do that that would be a great little tool to have in the bag but you could just look around our solar system at what's happening you know uh i have spent many hours and i have many videos on what i call the solar system shift mm. if you take what we have come to think of as constants for these for the other planets in our solar system, these things have all begun to change rapidly to the point where we can honestly and truly say that at this point, if you were to have a uh, how's your planet doing contest in our solar system, Earth would win. Venus is changing so much faster than Earth, it will make your head spin. Same with Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and Uranus. We have some suspicions about Mercury, Pluto, and uh, Neptune. But it's a little bit it's a little bit harder to tell. You want to take a look at at energetic or, or or climate changes like that. And that's really what a lot of climate change gets down to is you know the energy budget of Earth, uh, how much energy we receive, how much we reflect, things like that, how much is you know put into feedback loops. You know, the fastest winds on Earth have increased about three or four percent on venus that number is 33 percent during the period where earth was warming mars was warming faster the great red spot on jupiter is dying red jr was born and it lost an entire planetary cloud stripe you know all planets also put out this radio frequency and that is very very stable except that jupiter just decided to change its a couple of years ago wow 
there's been a 30-year superstorm that comes every time Saturn gets to its closest point on the sun. You know, Saturn has a 30-year orbit. We've been able to watch this with telescopes for hundreds of years. For the first time in our observational history, it just arrived 10 years early, was twice as strong as it was supposed to be, and lasted way too long. This would be like a Category 6 hurricane hitting the U.S. East Coast on January 1st and lasting through the summer. Uranus, we have seen uh, unbelievable storm activity, increased auroral activity. Uh, And so basically, we have the Earth doing better somehow than all these other planets. And as as you probably won't be surprised to hear, I have had people ask me how our pollution gets out to the other planets. Um, it's reverse gravity. It's kind of like reverse osmosis. Yeah. So you just have to laugh. What, what do we seriously account that to, though? Is that all based on solar activity? Or is it because no. I guess you got to take into account that our solar system's always moving through space, too. Like, I, I wonder if any sort of fluctuations in our path can can fuck shit up well you know the amount of galactic cosmic radiation that gets into the solar system is directly related to solar activity Um, because what the sun is pumping out is electromagnetic material and so when the sun is pumping out hard it's like it enhances the shield of our entire solar system Mm. you know most people know that earth has a magnetic shield that wraps around it it's called the magnetosphere well the solar system has one too called the heliosphere made made by the sun and that weakens as the sun weakens and what that shields our solar system against is galactic cosmic radiation and um Just a quick tidbit. We don't really have time to get into this. If you Google cosmic rays, global cooling, um, you'll you'll have your hands full trying to get through all the information. And so what we're really seeing, uh, in addition to a lack of heat and other forms of energy coming from the sun, we have an increase in the amount of galactic cosmic radiation, which uh, it's getting to the point where this is just about settled science. Those things will create more clouds, reflect more light, and cause global cooling. And the, so that affects them, like the the sun, the inactivity of the sun, maybe. And then, and then, how long is that minimum supposed to go for? Like in the in the, the, the modern like the modern modern minimum is that going to be a couple decades, or supposedly, or like probably fifty to seventy years is oh, our best. No. And that so. Sucks. The thing is, uh, the thing to remember is this is a mini ice age. People don't tend to hear the mini. Um, For example, the last time we had one of these, people that looked like me crossed the Atlantic and made 13 colonies here. Stuff gets done. It's not the end of the world. However, those individuals were not in a globalized system. They did not grow and ship food all around the planet. They knew how to sustain themselves. They knew how to live with the land. You could you could have dropped those settlers on any on any beach or any uh, any coastline in the world. They would have survived. How many people could you say that for today? And so, what you're going to see is it's still going to get warm, maybe even hot during the summertime. That doesn't go away. The issue is that these polar vortex events become more uh, prevalent and they become more extreme to the point where you get terrible, terrible winters and you even begin to get winter-like activity interlaced in the summertime. 
You know, the Great Lakes didn't unfreeze until halfway through July this past year. There's evidence that at some point soon, they won't unfreeze at all. And, uh, you know, when we get to that point, we'll have a summer snowstorm that takes out literally entire states worth of crops. The United States doesn't export food that year, maybe. Maybe Mm -hmm. wars break out all over the world over food and other things like that. We're, we're, seeing, we're seeing these signs everywhere. I mean, what happened during November was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, December started a little bit warmer, and it was supposed to be a really warm December, but that hasn't really come to fruition. Uh, the Mobile Observatory is in Shreveport, Louisiana right now, and it is ridiculously cold. Way, way too cold. Um, oh, it's nice and warm here in Calgary. <laughs> it's like zero <laughs> degrees. <laughs> uh, so... Can you talk, I, I just want to touch on something quickly before we run out of time. The Carrington event um, right. was, uh, was, I think it was in the 1800s or something like that. And then what, what was that and, and, and what would happen now? Or would you see that happening and, and give us a day or two warning with the amount of uh, watching the sun you do? I can put Absolutely. my cell phone in a Faraday cage. <laughs> yeah, do you have an app for us that we can use? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if we get a, a Carrington-like event today, uh, you might not need the internet to hear me screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> the entire world just may hear me screaming as loud as I can. Essentially, what happened is in 1859, the sun unleashed a solar flare and uh, an ejection of electromagnetic particles that was so powerful, it set telegraph wires and telegraph offices on fire. It shocked operators. Um, and... These type of things only happen maybe once every couple hundred years or so. Um, And you're only really vulnerable if you are reliant on electricity. So human beings have lived through, um, we tend to call them mega flares. Some people online call them solar kill shots. Um, Humans have lived through these dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times, just they didn't use electricity. And so if this were to happen today, it could literally take out power all across the globe. And I don't mean the kind of thing where you go and you reset the switch. I mean, um, wires melt, transformers blow, and we are 10, 20 years from getting society back out of the, out of the dark ages. And if it were to happen within 24 hours, there's no food at the store There's no gasoline. There's no phone to call for help. There's no heat. There's no air conditioning. At some point within 48 hours, the pumps that um, bring you your city water will fail. Uh, Your pumps that if you have a well on your property and your pump is electric, it will have failed immediately. And so basically, you're talking about years uh, of living off of just what you've got with you and all the other people in the exact same boat all around you. And if you, you know, bad people do bad things in desperate times. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how much warning would we get if, if you saw that happening? Uh, that's the kind of thing I wouldn't wait for. Uh, I wouldn't wait for the next morning to do the news. I would, the moment I saw it happen, uh, I would be screaming on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, pretty much any possible way I could, uh, getting the word out. Worst case scenario from flare to arrival at Earth could be minutes. Well, that's how long the the Uh electromagnetic radiation takes. The actual particles uh, take a bit longer. 
And at worst, they could arrive in hours. Wow. Most, most CMEs take two to five days uh, to arrive. Uh, we get one that takes less than two days, and we're, we end up getting a big geomagnetic storm from it. But it's possible that this could happen in less than a day. Um, and so, you know, if you've got ample warning, hopefully you can go uh, to the store or maybe get some supplies or do something. It's really just a better idea to have that stuff ready to go because the kind of prepping that you'd want for that is a lot of the same kind of prepping you'd want for, you know, zombie apocalypse. A zombie apocalypse, a terribly <laughs> cold winter. It's, it's just all all reasons to prep, you know, and have have some kind of uh, plan in case stuff goes wrong. What if we got our back to it? Are we okay if it's like fucking up Europe? Uh, well, here's the thing: uh, these are global events. Uh, the magnetosphere deflects. Uh, you know that magnetic shield I was talking about will deflect most of it, but the charged particles will pour in from the polar regions. The blackouts will start at high latitude all over the planet, and then they'll make their way towards the equator. It doesn't matter if it's noon or midnight. When that CME hits, um, the effects are going to be similar all over the world. Wow. It's fascinating. Yeah. And it's like uh, fucking Atlantis all over again. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask you that. I got to ask you this. Uh, have you seen anything since you spent so much time looking at the sun too and all that? Have you seen anything unexplainable at all? Any weird stuff happening there? I know there was some crazy UFO uh, conspiracies going around that there was this craft like sucking energy from the sun or something like that. Yeah, that that one was was uh, a little bit of a uh, of a uh, false false thing. Yeah, that's called coronal cavity, and it's one of the things they actually built the satellite to detect. It actually doesn't detect them as well as they wanted. And oh. if you look, well, you can actually see things like that every day. The one that made news was just an exceptional example. Um, I've seen a lot of things that I can't explain um, in terms of the disproportionate amount of solar eruptions that take place uh, at certain uh, longitudes on the sun. Uh, some of the way that the sunspots behave. Um, it's a lot of complex stuff that makes me think that the, you know, what actually is the high level difficult to understand solar science may not have all the answers that, uh, they think they have at this point. Um, the biggest worry, uh, in addition to the, the climate stuff, and this will be a good thing to kind of close on, is the fact that we just got word on the 16th that Earth's magnetic changes are continuing on the path that they've been continuing on. And if uh, if you haven't heard, Earth's magnetic shield or magnetosphere is weakening very, very quickly, and it's happening at the exact same time that our poles are shifting. That has begun. It is underway, and we could be literally... Uh, just de years or at most decades away from seeing a, um, a magnetic failure and pole shift on the planet, which could, um, needless to say, that would not be something fun to live through. No. Could yeah, be the, the only survivors of that could be South America and Africa. <laughs> the people that don't have technology, like Graham Hancock would say, and right? All the bright spots in the world at night would not make it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your plan then in the next little while? Are you continuing uh, your mobile observatory? Are you going to have to take a bit of a break for your baby? 
Absolutely. I'm working on getting a paper published right now, and I'm going to work on getting a few more published. Um, I worked with the statistics department from the Ohio State University and Dr. Kongpop Uyen uh, from NASA, although he he did this work outside of his official NASA capacity, and they didn't have anything to do with the study. Um, basically proving the link between solar activity and earthquakes. Um, wow. And so basically the sun's effect on earth and uh, taking care of my little baby when it's born will be my primary objectives going forward and making sure we're ready in case any of this bad stuff uh, happens soon. No kidding. We'd like to really thank you for taking some time out here around the holidays and joining us on the show, Ben. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to say or some places people can track you down before we let you go? Yeah, absolutely. If uh, if you go to Google and you start typing in suspicious observers, you will not get through the word suspicious before Google guesses you're looking for me. We got a free show on YouTube every single morning. I do mean every morning. I don't take weekends or holidays off because the earth and the sun do not take weekends or holidays off. Uh, so we do this every day. There's 207,000 of us. We're keeping our eye on the planet, having our eyes open, that kind of stuff. And uh, I really appreciate you guys inviting me on and letting me share some of this stuff with uh, with you and those who listen. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, and, and we appreciate what you do. And I would look forward to checking your uh, your daily little uh, news story out. That's that's great. Absolutely. And you can maybe you can give us a Grand American exclusive when that uh, CME is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We'll broadcast yeah. from the gates of hell. Broadcast <laughs> into the gates of hell. Yeah. If that flare occurs in in uh, in our direction, I will be basically pasted to my laptop for hours on end. So, good job. Okay, Ben. Have uh, have a good holiday. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have You're a good welcome. One. Take care. Back to the Grimerica Show. That was our chat with Ben Davidson of Suspicious Observers and the Mobile Observatory. Mobile Observatory. I like the looks of that thing. Yeah, pretty cool. Eh? Pimped out RV. Yeah, that'll be the. Uh, you can see it in your pod player right now. Actually, it's that's what I used. Oh, did you? It's a picture of yeah Ben and his wife in front of the uh, pod thing, and it should be actually. I think it should have the new artwork too. Lisa, my wife, is going to start doing. Some uh, like some adding some Grimerica huh. to the pictures for us, so it'll say oh, you know cool. Grimerica or in Grimerica or some something. Yeah, that was close. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I was just looking on his website right now, and it's got today's news. It's a big solar flare, jet stream shifting, and he's got an update every day there, like five minutes of real weather news, no propaganda. I like that. Does he have it for Calgary? Is it going to keep Chinookin tomorrow? I don't think it's, uh, no, I don't think we're serious. And there's enough going on here for, for, 
or his uh, attention. So anyways, what did you think, Darren? I liked it. Pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got his shit together. Yeah, we want to thank the listener. I don't have whoever who recommended them on the top of my head. I think, but it, was Hank. I think it was Hank Scorpio. Maybe. Yeah, so that was great, man. And listeners, if you guys have uh, people you want us to talk to or whatever, it's it's great. Like most of those topics we love anyway, so. Yeah, and if we don't respond to you, that doesn't mean we're not. Uh, like I don't think I even told Hank. This will be Hank doesn't even know yet. It'll just be like, bang, there's a guest he asked for. Yeah, yeah, and we try to respond to all the emails, but it does get, it gets hard to keep track of, and I get mixed up all the time, too, so. But we read them all. We read them all. So uh, your guest might just pop on, and hey, if you got it, uh, if you got time, you really want someone on, I mean, if you can take down the the trouble of uh, getting their email address or something like that for us and sending that over, that definitely uh, helps the process because then we can just kind of do it right there. Click email, away we go, as opposed to ending up on the to-do list. Yeah, man. Even uh, Alex X Skeptical was even saying that some sometimes he's had uh, listeners like book guests for him too. That's been pretty cool. <laughs> so don't be shy. It's a challenge keeping up on all this stuff. Yeah, well, we'll take care of the dates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh yeah, we want to thank Ben for coming on and uh, wish his family, his new family, well. And I hope his uh, science uh, keeps going on. Science and the un- un- uh, unbiased news keeps going on, and more yeah, people find out. He said, out. let us know when the flare's coming, too. So that's that's a reason to keep an eye on suspicious observers right, right there, because yeah. that'll be your first fucking warning when the fucking flare is coming. Yeah. So I'll link to all the stuff in the so show notes. So you can put your iPhone in a Faraday cage. That's right. I got a generator. Does that need to be in a Faraday cage? Let's uh, wrap that fucker in tin I foil. I have no idea. Aluminum Probably, foil. if it's electrical, right? Go. I can go. Yeah. Fuck, I better start to download some podcasts now. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All you've got is your charged up iPhone and a bunch of podcasts listening. Yeah, 60 gigs of podcasts. 46. Yeah, no. it's almost like my phone. No, I don't even. Yeah, there you go. So anyways, want to thank everybody for listening and send your feedback and and uh, spam and synchronicities and psychedelic experiences to graham at grahamerica.com. That's G-R-A-H-A-M at grahamerica.com. And you can tell Darren he's a shit at, at grahamerica. Yeah. That's and a Twitter, That's a Twitter account, right? Yeah. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, Justin puts a lot of hard work into that, grahamerica.ca slash news. And of course, uh, we don't do any ads here, and we uh, we count on your support. And you can find out all about how to support the show at grimeamerica.ca slash moneybomb. Um, we are still running the $25 donation for a T-shirt. If you want a T-shirt and you've donated over $25, um, I think only one person actually put in the subject line, sent him a shirt, so we sent him a shirt. But um, we've had a couple other donations that didn't say shirt. So if you guys want right. a shirt, just uh, shoot a shoot, grab an email, let them know, and we'll get that sent off to you. Yeah. And of course, it is right after the holidays. A lot of you can't afford to donate. Maybe here's another way to support the show. Right now, go to iTunes, give us a review, or Stitcher, or anything, and that is means just as much. Yeah. And if you want an email address, Grey America email, then Joe yeah, Blow at Grey America. And uh, yeah, five bucks a month. Darren will give you that. Bingo, bango. See you guys next week.